Welcome, Savages, to the Greg Manfred Show. Greg here with you on this uh, happy Thursday. I actually had the day off yesterday. Um, I got to go do something really manly. My uh, daughter has got her first homecoming since last year. It was closed for the fucking government debacle of all time. And uh, so I went out with her. She went out with her mom to try and find a dress. And, uh, you know, budding adolescent females trying to find a dress for the first time. Here's a kid who wears ripped jeans and sweatshirts, and she's like in the top 10 of her class. And I'm not, temp- not top 10%, the top 10, maybe the top five, maybe the top two. Uh, she's got other things in her mind besides dresses. And uh, she's very academic. And so for me, uh, you know, I get the fallout after she went out with mom and couldn't find a dress. Any of you have got daughters out there, any of you have wives, any of you have girlfriends, any of you have wives and girlfriends, you know what I'm talking about. Buying dresses for women can be challenging. So uh, Amy went out with Roxanne. They couldn't find anything. And then my girlfriend, Jennifer, she said, oh, you should try these two places. And they went, Okay, I said, I'll take her to David's wedding. I took her to David's uh, bridal apparel. Now, if you've ever gone shopping with anybody, and you're me, I took my 15-year-old daughter to a bridal place to buy a dress, and it was kind of surreal, and I was a little dizzy for a little while, and sat down, and she started trying on dresses, and then she tries on, she stands like she's in jeans and Vans shoes with a sweatshirt, and you got to stand a little different, you look better dressed. To try to explain this to an adolescent female who's got all these hormones crashing around, and all of the fallout from that, and I actually pulled it off, and we bought a great, I bought her a great dress, nice pair of shoes, and she had a smile, the greatest thing ever. It's just awesome. That was my day off yesterday. So I got home, she talked to her friends, and it turns out homecoming turned from a semi-formal cocktail, old-fashioned Hollywood event, one of glamour and glitz, to a rave on the soccer field in the grass. So I spent the whole day putting a smile on my daughter's face and getting it done. I balanced the uh, I, I balanced the uh, tricky waters of... Uh, Wife, girlfriend, kid, business, emotions. I balanced it all and pulled it off. And at the end of the day, it was a complete waste of time because she needs a little short dress and she's going to wear combat boots. So what are you going to (laughs) do? So listen, uh, speaking of dresses and combat boots, we wanted to do a show uh, that um, had some relevance to our LGBTQRSTLMNOP community out there and everyone else so this is an inclusive show this show is for everyone because everyone needs to be protected everyone needs to protect themselves and everyone needs to have some safety and some peace of mind um in addition to training in addition to all of this other stuff that uh you won't be taken advantage of that you can't get caught in the political storm of it being uh, unpopular to stick up for yourself, all kinds of things. You know, I talk about, and I'm in this community around firearms and knives and weapons, and all of this stuff is about rugged independence and self-reliance. I talk about this, and it is a, is a part of the weave of our narrative that's gone on here in the show for the last 10 years. And um, we sometimes forget that rugged reliance and self assuredness and self-independence and uh, all of these things that are so much the cornerstone of our country they actually help all of our citizens they help our immigrants they help our downtrodden they help our people in minority groups and they help people that are um um not as strong or or not as physically tough and so we have to remember the the great equalizer of the cult and that tradition that is part of the vein of America that gets us to the present day, it actually counts for everybody. So for all of my uh, trans viewers that are out there, there's a little bit of this for you today. We've got our guest today. Uh, This is Chris Bryan from 2A Shield. He's a local business owner here in Arizona. He's got a company. Uh, Hey, welcome to the show, Brian. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me, Craig. (laughs) Hey, so... um, Tell me, how long have you uh, been in business uh, with the 2A Shield? So 2A Shield's been in business for two years. 
uh, we started it. It took a, it was a process to get through, as I mentioned before, before we started, uh, we had to go out and go through a whole bunch of a regulation process to get our insurance company built, get the policy written, go through the regulation, go through the approvals. And, uh, it's taken a little bit to get there, but we got there. And so we've been out for about uh, two years now. So a little bit of McAllen for your morning? Absolutely. Are you game? Yeah, I'm game. Let's okay, do it. Give me your glass. Yeah, let's pour you a little bit here. It's been some famous people drinking. This I'll give you a little shot. If you want a more of a snort than that, you no, let me know. I think I'm good. That's uh, I know. That's good for my morning, good, too. Good, good wake up for the morning right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, salut. Mm, salut. Hold on, everybody, and we'll get to this. Hello. Mm. Smooth. Very smooth. So um, I guess for a lot of people don't understand what this is about. But in general, folks, if you don't know this, whether you have liability coverage for your firearms or whether you have homeowner's insurance, if you read the details, most of the time firearms are not included in that package at all, right? Correct, correct. It's kind of one of these hands-off that the insurance pussies have decided that they don't want anything to do with. So those of us who have a couple firearms, mm -hmm. some of us collect rare firearms. Um, and, uh, you know, I've heard of so many people who had like a firearm lost in, if their car gets broken. Into. Oh yeah. Um, this is super common, especially in the, uh, kind of living room neighborhoods around, uh, sprawling metropolitan areas where mm -hmm. you've got the little druggies who do the 2am swipes, they break a window and snag whatever's there. Um, so I've heard of so many people losing firearms that way. Do you ensure that loss as well? Absolutely. So for every 47 seconds, that's the, that's the time to remember every 47 seconds in this country, a firearm is stolen. Okay. Home, auto, from a person. That's a statistic. So there's two things that go along with that, right? There's the, uh, uh, you know, the loss of property. Mm -hmm. So that's a bummer. There's the, um, how much of that is irresponsibility, right? Right, which is on all of us as gun owners and two A people mm -hmm. and as citizens and Americans and free people, free men responsible for ourselves. We shouldn't be getting our firearms stolen because they're dangerous. Correct. Yeah. Well, they can be dangerous in the wrong hands. They absolutely are dangerous. Absolutely. They're dangerous in the right hands. Mm -hmm. So we got to treat them right. That's why we spend so much time training and talking about it. Um, is there any liability if someone steals your gun? and does something with it after they've stolen it from a car? There is, and that's really a state-by-state -state basis. Um, okay, it really it? comes down to, yeah, the state law. Every state is different. How's Arizona? Uh, Arizona's pretty good about that. Like um, once it's been stolen, you, do you have to report it stolen? You, in the state of Arizona, you're not required to report it. Uh, so there, I think it's uh, 11 states off the top of my head require you to report it within 24 hours. Uh, but it's definitely on your side to report it as soon as possible. So always. Always report that. Yeah, exactly. like just if you guys, you sell a car, um, you don't want to just sign over the title. You want to let the state know that you sold your car. <laughs> right. In case they go rob a bank with it tomorrow. So I had, you know, it's funny. I had a car stolen from me when I was in college. Uh -huh. And they went and robbed a hotel at gunpoint. Um, these four black dudes stole. I had a Saab 900 Turbo oh, S. Oh, really? I had a Saab. Yep. I know. I I, so I was going to school up in New Haven, Connecticut. Yep. And we were having this welcome freshman uh, thing. And I was the guy that, that had the hatchback. I could go get 25 pizzas. <laughs> Absolutely. So I go down to this pizza joint, and it's the middle of winter, or, you know, it was snowing and cold. It was some freshman event. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, I pulled my vehicle up to the front of this pizzeria, and I left it running. And I go in, and I come out. Oh, no, no, no. I turned it off. I actually turned it off and I came out and I walked around. I was like, well, I'm, you know, I had, I had somebody else with me and we're walking around with all these pizzas. Like where'd my car go? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I get a call from my mom, you know, like 30 minutes later, it said the police just showed up at my house, my home up in Massachusetts mm -hmm. away from college. And they, the police were like, you know, guns drawn. Where's the, the criminal at large, Greg Medford. <laughs> oh man. And she's like, He's in college. What are you talking about? And his vehicle was just using a hotel robbery, and they had descriptions. It's just no, unbelievable. He, he's not. He's not black. <laughs> and, and they're like, okay. <laughs> so my mom goes, like, "What's going on?" He's right, like, mom. My car got stolen, and I guess they just went right through a robbery. So unreal. Well, think about this. So you 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 shut the car off. You locked it. You went inside. You come back out, it's gone. Yeah. This could very easily happen to anyone on a Saturday who's taken his son or his daughter to the range. Yep. You stop at a gas station. Yep. You run in. You've got five, six, seven guns in your car. You come out, it's gone. Yeah. It happens every day. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, people don't people don't think it happens uh, where they get in little insular patterns where they're kind of outside of where that's going on. Mm -hmm. But I found it's kind of going on everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it may not be happening at C2 over in Scottsdale, but it's happened in 26 other places on the way to C2. Absolutely. And uh, especially, you know, we see a, there's a lot of 
you know, our culture's made a bunch of turns in the last few years where mm. I see more dangerous looking people around and they're not like just asking for, they're way more emboldened. And I don't know if they're the ones, I don't know who's doing it, mm-hmm. but um, what interesting thing about recovering the car was it was all shot up. They were in a big car chase oh. with the police, helicopter. There was a boat involved, the Connecticut River. They were shooting an automatic weapon out the back of the vehicle, and there were bullet holes. Every time they went over a curb, there were bullet holes up through the roof. Oh, man. So I go down, and the police station's like, oh, we got your car. You know, come on down and get your car. And I get down there, and they they had driven it off this overpass, and the front left wheels. The car is sitting on the ground. The front left wheel is off the ground. Mm. The whole car is just completely bent, and there's bullet holes everywhere, and all the guns are in the car. So my car was stolen, and and there were uh, half a dozen guns left in it. You got guns back. (laughs) You're like, yeah. It was the craziest thing. So apparently, they got into a big chase, and they got down to the river, Mm -hmm. and they uh, went off an overpass off a freeway. The car got effed up. The police were in hot pursuit. The guys jumped and left their firearms, ran towards this river. The boat came and got them. Wow. And, and so all these firearms, and so I get to see it, and I can't touch the car because <laughs> it's going to be used in this proceeding, right? Yeah. But I'm like, do I get the Browning High? It, had, it was a Browning High Power, and it had a Mac 10. And oh, some, man. I was like, do I, do I get any? I mean, it was like, like yeah, real guns. It's in I my mean, car. I own those. That's I mean, my property. <laughs> they weren't 38 specials. I was like, hey, what's up with those? Yeah. Like, you can't have those. Oh. <laughs> Damn. So uh, you started this about two years ago. Did something happen, or did you just see like a niche in the market and thought it was an opportunity for you? I saw a, I basically saw a niche in the market, and I thought, look, how can I... Obviously, I'm super passionate about Second Amendment rights. I'm super passionate about self-defense. I've always been my entire life. I've been through a lot of life experiences. I feel like a lot of most Americans haven't been. How come? What do you mean? Uh, mainly like with the, from a self-defense side. I've had a gun pointed at me twice. I've had a knife pulled at me once. Where was that? Uh, I grew up in Chicago. Oh. And uh, and Enough said. Yeah. I'm I mean, like, in Arizona? No. I mean, all we do is knock teeth out, out here. <laughs> no. This used to be fistfight country out here. Nobody fights anymore at no all. No one fistfights anymore. No, yeah. No. And, you know, and the thing at the time when I grew up in Chicago, you weren't allowed to own, and I think not until not too long ago, 10 years ago or so, you couldn't own a firearm in the city of Chicago uh, unless you were a police officer. And so, uh, so much for gun laws, right? Because I was robbed at gunpoint in the middle of the day at lunch in downtown Chicago. And, uh, and so stuff like that is just like, I've always been very self-defense minded and self-defense focused and went through my life and to the point, like I've got it, I've, I have an FFL, I've been selling guns for four years now on, it's nothing major, nothing big, usually friends and family. And just like, when, I like when did play. you come here? I live, I moved here in 2000. A lot of so, people come here from Illinois and, and from Michigan. Did you come here because of the politics, the freedom, or did you come for another reason? I came here and you would like this. Cause I think I saw this in your bio. I came here to be a pilot. Oh. And I uh, I went through flight school in Scottsdale. I'm a commercial pilot. Yeah. I was a certified flight instructor, MEIC, if I double I. Okay. I let those laps. Uh, my Where plan did you do your training over Scottsdale? Uh, over it was CRM. It was called CRM Airline Training. Yeah, I went to CRM too. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this yeah. was like uh, 2000. I started there, um, and I ended up teaching there for a couple of years. And it was. Did you know Kieran? I did. Yeah. Yeah. He was my first flight instructor. Oh, I, really? I failed my private pilot's tickets with uh, my ticket with. Uh, Flunkin Duncan. Oh yeah, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Duncan Hasty. Yep. Yep. I uh, I failed my my uh, private pilots during the pre-flight ground school because of some crazy stuff that Garrett had told me, and then uh, uh, and then he said, "Well, you've already failed. Do you want to go out and fly and kind of get it out of your system?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's go fly." So we went flying. He's like, "Ah, you're a really good pilot." He goes, "But that paperwork you did was just retarded." <laughs> you know, that was the thing with him. It was like. It was uh, the failure for the recheck fee. It was always like, hey, I'm uh-huh. going to get this guy for the, the second one. We're going to yeah. get him for the fee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I almost cried. I was a grown-ass man. I was like, oh, yeah. combat vet. I was like, I failed the <laughs> test. I've never failed the test in my life. What's going on? So, yeah, uh, so. Oh, so that's hysterical. And then were you there when that gal, uh, who was a really good pilot, but she ended up, uh, she was the instructor when the airplane uh, kind of crashed over there. What was her name? That was she was a shorter blonde, right? I think she was really nice. So I remember, yeah. but I remember they said I was like, "Yeah, I'm not training with a girl." And they were like, "What?" I'm like, eh, I'm "Yeah, sorry, I'm not really doing it." <laughs> such a, I'm such an asshole back then. Now you're I'm, honest. Now I'm, I'm now I'm really straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> they love that too at Verizon when you call them up and say, "Ah, uh, yeah, can I just talk to a guy on the phone, please?" Yeah, put a guy on the phone, please. They're like, "What?" I'm like, no. "Excuse me." I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry, yeah. I just know I'm not going to get my problem solved right now." <laughs> hey. 
You're up front. What are you going to say? Such an asshole. So you move out here for the flying thing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just decided the girls are great looking. Why go back? Yeah. So I uh, actually I was bartending at the time. At Where Access were you bartending? Radio. Oh, Access Radio. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Sean and Richard over there. Yep. Yep. That's I was there fantastic. for four years. and um, I was a bouncer for them over at their club on uh, Camelback. Oh, which one was that? Was that the? Uh, um, Empire. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was fun. You How know, old are you? Good. I'm 41. Oh. Okay. So I was. I was a half a generation ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. It was a good experience. You know, I did actually see a lot of unfortunately situations happen bartending. Um, guys getting hit in the face with bottles, and I didn't just bartended the uh, access radius. I bartended at. I started at. The Buffalo Chip Saloon in Cave Creek, which was cool because the owner at the time, Larry, was like an ex-high-ranking sheriff's deputy. And uh, he was a super cool guy, very laid-back boss. But that's a scrappy place, too. At the time, it was very scrappy. I mean, it would be... I've seen pool tables cleared out, full-on bar brawls, like something out of... uh, What's that movie with Patrick Swayze back in the day? Roadhouse. Yeah, Yeah. just straight out of Roadhouse. No, I used to drink it like all... Remember the... um, was it Stetsons that burned down yep. and they moved it? Yep. I had a couple of just epic fucking throwdowns at the original. <laughs> like, I would tell people, like, oh, we used to fight out here all the time. And they, you know, my kids are like, what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, you see a guy slap a girl and you might hit him in the face with a pool ball just to, like, you know, kind of clear him up. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean slap a girl? I'm like, uh, these honky tonks guys. Oh, yeah. Guys have yeah. a few too many. It gets mm. a little weird. It does. It does. So uh, the town has definitely had its fangs pulled out. Yeah. It's way nicer now. Like, I haven't seen anybody in a throwdown in a long time. <laughs> but I don't go out that much. But still, I'm like, I don't know. But well, so, the, so you were Buffalo Chip, and then you ended up down there at Access Radius. Then I ended up at Radius. Um, yeah. And so I was finished up flight school. And, you know, at the time when I went through, you know, it was, it was shortly after 9 uh, 11. The airline industry itself was kind of like in a big slump. Um, guys were getting furloughed, uh, coming back teaching with 5,000 hours of jet time. So yeah. for like someone who's getting started, <laughs> it's very time to get absorbed into the industry and get a job. So I actually got into real estate at that point. Um, I wanted to be a real, in real estate development construction. And uh, I went down that. I had a good friend who was a real estate developer, suggested I go to the path, and I, I did. But all during that time, like I, I still you know, focused on, I was building my arsenal at home. I was training in guns. I was training in self-defense and it's always been something in the back of my mind that's been very important. What kind of self-defense training? Um, I've done everything from a, uh, I found a, a, a reality-based defense school out of Scottsdale, small one over there. What's it called? It's called reality, ba- reality defense. Okay. Uh, Troy Co over there. He has a really great program. Um, I've been to, I've done Krav Maga. I've done MMA, MMA back when I was younger, when MMA was just getting popular. Yeah. Um, I never competed or anything, but it came to me about making knives for him. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's a good dude. Uh, he's got a really good program over there. Um, I'd love to see him be able to grow that program. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And then I've tried out, uh, right here over in Deer Valley. I've been over at the react self-defense. I've been in their program for a little bit. They've got a great program there. Uh, anything related to striking for me, I'm a big striking guy. I've never been like, I, I don't mind rolling on the ground. I'm okay with that, but I'm just like, I think it's gay. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I prefer not to, I mean, not to say anything wrong with it. It's just wrong for me. I just don't like it. It's, you know what? When it's I was too Jeremy, I don't, it's too many Jeremy and anything that's got 69 in it and yeah. they have a different name for it. <laughs> yeah. we, we have awkward. this thing called pegging. I'm like, that's getting popped into Keister. Not yeah, interesting. Yeah, we're you know? not doing that. Exactly. I always, it's funny too. I've got friends that have MMA schools around town and, you know, I had several schools here in town mm-hmm. and I'm always like. I'm like, we're we doing 69. And they're always like, it's north, south, Greg. I mean, they get so defensive about it. It's like, awesome. You got to make it awkward, dude. Yeah. I'm like, you mean 69. Yeah. Oh, no. You were north, south. I go, no, you were at 69. Yeah. And 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 uh, their wives find it oh, yeah. pretty abusing, too, because always talking to you all the time, you know? <laughs> All right, so yeah, so, so, so uh, but just I'm more of a striking guy. I prefer let's just get it over you with. You are striking, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's for my LGBTQ fans. You're welcome. There you go. All right, so uh, talk to me a little bit about how all kinds of equipment I'd knock my headphones off. I'm having this weird Thursday because I took a day off. My universe is tiffed, tilted because I took a day off because mm. I haven't taken a day off in a long time. Throws you off. So uh, you you uh, were doing the real estate thing. Mm-hmm. Did you get in that? Were you develop? Have you done real? Yeah, estate no. You know, at the time when I was I was uh, I was in brokerage, commercial brokerage, and it was it was great. It was good to learn. Learned, met a lot of people, a lot of great people, and about ready to go into real estate development and. 2008. 2008 boom yeah, yeah. i mean literally i was in negotiations with the real estate developer we're coming over we're going to start working and development died for like four years yeah so i got into um i was like well i really enjoy the uh i've always enjoyed the part of construction the civil construction side like that's been just the big machines earth moving 
um, eventually went out and actually started my own earth moving civil construction company and ran it for a number of years. And, uh, it was, you know, it was good. It was fun. It's, it was, I still have a hand in it a little bit. I'm still a, a vice president of a, a, a civil construction company. And, uh, but it's still like, I've, I've always been, there was something else calling me in life. There was something else telling me like, Chris, you're not, you're not fulfilling hundred percent of your potential. You need to do something else that you're passionate about. You need to get involved in something, start something new where you can help people in your passions. And so I started really self-reflecting on that and really thinking about, okay, what do I stand for? What are my beliefs and how can I take those and go out and help people in the industry or in just Americans in general? And I really kept coming back to firearms related, um, self-defense related industry. And so that took me on the path to learning how I can fill a need in a market, um, fill a hole that I see that I could help Americans protect them, protect their freedoms, protect their firearms and become better, uh, trained, better protected, responsible Americans. So you, uh, and I see this so, with so many entrepreneurs, something happens and it happened with me as well. I mm -hmm. mean, life shifts and you have to adapt mm -hmm. and adaptation makes us come up. It, you know, when I started my company, I had these men, I don't want to say mentors. They were folks I knew in my life who had companies. Mm -hmm. I knew Mike Dillon who had Dillon Precision. I knew uh, Joe Moriarty that had total, total seal piston rings. I knew uh, Frank DeSoma that had POF, uh, Patriot Ordnance Factory making uh, M4s. Mm -hmm. um, I knew uh, uh, Kelly McMillan who had McMillan rifle stocks and uh, Billy Boat did exhaust. And I knew all these folks and... I just kind of saw, I talked to them and, you know, I became friends with them through aviation mostly. Mm -hmm. And then I would ask them their story and they would tell the story of how they have these really cool companies and these really cool careers where they lead these creative teams and bring a product to market. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fucking sexy. And all of them kind of stumbled into it mm -hmm. because of something else they were doing. Well, I was doing this and I couldn't get exhausts that I wanted. I wanted something better. Or I was doing this and I was trying to make an engine that made more horsepower. They were all trying to do something else. Mm -hmm. Or uh, I was playing around with these machine guns because I got this box of stuff from Israel. And next thing you know, they've got a contract making machine guns for the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, minigun. So all of these things were pushing on me. And, uh, and then I just, that's how I got to reinventing myself. I love when you have these downturns because mm -hmm. there's all this rebirth that happens out of all this crash. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in 08, when it crashed, half the people I know reinvented themselves because most of us were doing something that was unnecessary. Right. I mean, I was like an air show pilot, martial arts instructor. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking totally useless. You know, like, I mean, I served some purpose, but right. not relevant. Yeah. You know, if it's like eat survive rent or what i did mm -hmm. mine was way down on yeah the it was list, on the list. <laughs> um and then you, and then every now and then somebody gets lucky and finds a passion so it sounds like you liked that other stuff but you didn't it's still like it didn't call to you yeah no it, it's not um you know it's you know it's one of those things everyone you read books and you listen to podcasts and people are like do what you love find your passion like it's it's i've gone back and forth on that you know what I mean? Oh, like, I don't believe any of that I don't bullshit. believe it. Like, oh, I, I don't like, believe you any hear of that it, You hear it and you're like, man, what? Why? what's wrong with me? Why can't I find what I'm passionate about? Why can't I, you know, everyone's doing this and this is the thing to do. But I, I just don't, over, you know, 41 years old now at this point, I'm like, I just don't think that's horseshit. It is. It's horseshit. <laughs> it's horseshit. <laughs> I was telling my daughter, you know, she's asking me while we're hanging out yesterday, she, we were talking about careers and stuff. And I was like, listen, here's what I think you ought to do. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It do, and, you know, there's an old Buddhist saying, wherever you go, there you are. Right. And uh, people that are unhappy, they're going to be unhappy being cardiac surgeons or ditch diggers. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter. And everything in between are going to be unhappy. Yeah. And people who find gratification in what they do in their craft, and they do it as a craftsman, mm -hmm. whether it's digging ditches or doing cardiac surgery, they'll find pleasure in it. Absolutely. I know guys that want to kill themselves as airline pilots they just hate it mm -hmm. you know they got to ask the girls for permission to go potty and they're stuck up in the cockpit now mm -hmm. they used to be able to kick the door open say hi to the girls <laughs> exactly have a kid come up and sit in the cockpit yeah. and you know inspire people and now they're just locked in a little box all day mm -hmm. um and and i know other guys who just love it they're like you know i safely bring people from point to point they could see their loved ones and i make sure they get their safe you know it's just a difference in attitude it is i told my daughter i was like just go let's find something where you can make money 
have a family and not have to compromise between the two. Yep. Because that's the challenge for gals, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, how can let's? I, I said, you know, maybe you want to think about a career you can spool up where you've got bandwidth to have a family and you don't have to choose one or the other. Yeah. And you can kind of do both. Mm-hmm. Or one or the other, and 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 you didn't have to make any compromises. Right. I go that that that's the way I would start thinking if I were you. Mm-hmm. And you know. Uh, and then I, and she says, well, what about this? I said, you don't need to worry about any of that. That's all for people who have jobs. Yeah. That's all for worker bees who don't know any better. Yep. People who haven't found their way yet. Mm-hmm. I go, this shit's going to present itself to you as time goes by. Yeah. Just get out there hustling and make sure whatever you do in hustle, you make enough money, you have choices. Yeah. And that's the key. You know, action beats reaction every time. And yeah. like just taking that step yep. to say, I'm, you know what, We're moving forward and just constantly move forward. Something else will open. You might take that route. You might not, but you just keep going. I used to tell guys when I was training people all the time, I'm, I've been in a bunch of conflicts and I always did well because I was um, Lord Nelson at the Nile. I was straightforward. I would crawl right up on somebody and fucking cave their face in. Yeah. I just wouldn't even stop. And somebody would like pull me off. And I'd go, oh, okay, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> my, oh, yeah. My adrenaline would be going for two days, mm-hmm. you know? Um, just, uh, you know, it was less technique and a little more just raw aggression. Yeah. And then as I got older and my, 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 uh, self kind of squared away, it was funny as, as my, as my discipline improved, my incidents of conflict went down. <laughs> it went down considerably. <laughs> they were inversely proportionate to each other. Absolutely. So, um, you basically saw this spot and how long did it take you to put together an insurance kind of company? Oh, it took, oh, I'd say about eight months. Did solid. You, did you try and um, say, "Hey, there's a service. Let me see if I can find Lloyd's of London or some other company to mm-hmm. un- underwrite this packet." Because basically, you're you built a insurance package, mm-hmm. a, a product. In the insurance world, there's like all these different kinds of products. You built right. a niche product that wasn't being served. Absolutely. Yeah. So you look for an underwriter to try and underwrite that initially, right? Yeah, or- we did. We did for about I would say. Four months, we talked to a number of different uh, larger insurance companies that um, were... And they were like, not interested. Yeah, there really wasn't any interest in it. The, 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 the issue was, the reason why there wasn't any interest is there was really no way for them to tell what their risk was. They they didn't have an actuarial table to refer right, to. Right, there's no like... And that's the other thing with people with homeowner's insurance. It's like the the amount of claims actually on a homeowner's insurance for firearms stolen, is, it's almost non-existent. They don't have the data. Even though it happens... A lot because they've just said no. Well, the thing is, too, a lot of people aren't filing. You know, are you gonna if you've got a fifteen hundred dollar deductible on your homeowner's insurance, are you gonna file on a five hundred dollar handgun that was stolen or in a two hundred fifty dollar TV? Right. You know, the average theft out of a home is about two thousand twenty four hundred bucks, which most likely is below what your deductible is on your homeowner's insurance. You're just not gonna let them know. Just replace it and move on. Right. So. That the data just wasn't there. Right. Um, Because it's kind of a granular. It's granular crime. Yeah. all right. Okay. You know, and I, I actually talked to the last one I did talk to was one of the uh, one of the large ones that supports one of the large Second Amendment organizations that had since pulled their their liability protection based on a uh, the New York lawsuit that they received. OK. And uh, they they kind of they're pretty rude about it. Like uh, just to be candid, like I'm like, you know, after I got off the call, I'm like, fuck these guys. Like, I'm going to go. I'm going to figure are out you allowed to say who it is. Or I, are, you, it, it, are you afraid? to No, say I can is? say it was. Um, Locked in, locked in affinity. Okay. And they did the uh, NRA program. They, they, good. I love conversations where everybody's named because I'm like, like, I just fucking hate everybody hiding behind anonymity these days. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you. It pisses me off. I I mean, you know, I got, I got through to their, like, it was VP of uh, Affinity Outdoors and, uh, and basically, dude was pretty much a dick on the phone, laughed at me. And, uh, I hung up the phone and was like, I'm moving on. I'm going to go, I'll figure out another way to do this. That's the one thing I will say in my life is I've always figured out a way to make something happen. Cool. And, I've hired an attorney. We did the research. Um, we we went down that path, and this like this information is not really well known out there. So it took a little while for yep. us to figure it out. Um, it's a it's a insurance company that's typically used by very wealthy individuals to fund themselves. It's like it can become. Uh, it's very famous with being in a Bermuda corporation. Uh, ours is based in Tennessee. But it's a legal vehicle out there to be able to. It's self insurance is basically what it is. So you you go through the regulation process. You go through. I mean, it's formal. Like there's documentation. There's background checks. There's everything that goes through to be approved by the state to be a captive insurance company. We jump through all those hoops. We created our, pro, our program. We then write the policy that enables us to make the decisions that we need to make for our members without having to get approval from companies who might not necessarily support your Second Amendment. And rights. you won't get arbitrarily dropped because someone's part of some political campaign somewhere. Or some Absolutely. Bullshit. Absolutely. So, 
Are you at the stage right now, you've been doing this two years, where uh, you're still gathering data to kind of build your own internal actuarial table Absolutely. for risk? Absolutely. So you're still yeah. in that. And you know that's that might end up being the value of your company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> data is like where it's all that's at. That's king. That's yeah. king right there. Yeah. So that's one of those proprietary things you want to keep super secretive. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, now... you. you do you, are you able to say how many members you've got kind of in your pool or is that kind of discreet? Yeah, we've been, um, we've been slow growing. We haven't really wanted to go out there and, you know, obviously there's a lot going on, a lot behind the scenes, a lot of things that we do with the insurance company from an underwriting standpoint. Because at so, two years, you're still kind of building the, I don't want to say this in a negative way, but you're still building enough information to be able to roll it out big right. or are you close to rolling it you're trying to roll it out big we're, at this point we're very close okay. we're not too far off okay. but um we're under a thousand members right now okay. um and everyone that is a part of our group is extremely happy uh we have i pride myself on customer service like right now every member has access to my cell phone they can call me at any time and ask me any questions they want yeah uh, i pick up the phone when someone signs up and i call them personally and thank them for signing up you get a lot of claims we haven't had any yet I almost had one, and I'll tell you the quick story. Guy was a little bit hesitant about signing up. Um, he was in Louisiana, and he loved it, loved the idea. He's like, yeah, I just I don't know. Like, it sounds great. It's a great program. Let me think about it a little bit. And this was this summer, and then the hurricane comes through. He leaves town with his family, gathers as much stuff as he can, gathered the firearms he could get, gather, went to Missouri to ride it out, and while he was in the store getting groceries, comes out, and someone had broken into his car. And he had his firearms, he had a whole bunch of cash in there, and a lot of his property. They took a backpack, took a Glock 23, took some cash, bailed out. And he's like, he called me on the phone, he's like, man, I know I'm not a member, but is there anything you can do for me? Like, I haven't, you know, is there something you can do for me? I'm like, dude, like... How about no? How about no? I mean, like, you, like, you gotta, I can't just... Fight. I can ensure the rest of your <laughs> <laughs> right shit. But he's like, I, I never thought it was going to happen to me, and then it happened. And so now he's a member. Now he's a member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, um, can you give somebody an idea? Do you do you do you insure based on like most things based on the total value replacement value of the items listed, or do you do it per firearm, or how do you do it? So we do uh, instead of having like my. I don't want to know what you have. I don't want a serial number. I don't want pictures. I don't want proof of purchase right in the beginning. Okay, that's okay? What I was asking. It's it's a hundred percent anonymous. Like that's one of the other problems. When I started, part of me building this was I was looking at the time to protect what I've built over the years. Not only my firearms, but my scopes, my binoculars, everything. And I call my insurance company. And so like, a guy can put a Schmidt bender on this. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. It's, so it's not only firearms. firearms and it's your knives. Could you put your knives, knives on, there? on there as well? So I know guys who have crazy knife collections. They could call you up. Absolutely. And they could insure their knife collection. Absolutely. Okay. So, how do you ask, ascertain value and replacement value and all that stuff? I mean, how do you do that? You know, we're still we we have a a in our membership agreement we have it listed out and how we how we figure out what the values of those are and that's something that's going to be ongoing as we grow and we see the claims come in and how those things work. Uh, but most of the time, it's based on. So, for example, if you become a member, this, let's use this guy as an example. His uh, his his Glock twenty three was stolen, or maybe he had a couple other things in his car. Uh, we're gonna ask for a police report right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Like you got to file. That's part of you. You file the police report. You send it to us. It's got to have the serial number on it and what had happened. That could, you know, there's gonna be some people that may file a claim or file a police report that are fraudulent trying to get something. But that's, that's pretty small. That's pretty small, yeah. right? So we gather the information. We ask for anything else he's got. If he's got pictures, if he's got you know pictures of range, if he's got some proof of purchase or something like that to provide us to us. Once we bring that information in, it goes through our system. It gets approved. He's a member. He's covered for it. We basically reach out to either my FFL or if FFL's in the state, and we go direct, just send right to his FFL and replace the firearm. Um, if it's a uh, if it's a we haven't had any larger collect larger collections yet that we've had to go through, but it may some take some time if people have got collectors' items or items that aren't produced anymore. So it's models. a it's a gun replacement. Program. It's a gun replacement. Our main goal is to replace that. Firearm. See, now we're in the meat and potatoes of how this yeah. works. I don't okay. want to just. I'm not going to cut you a check. Okay. Like we're going to replace it. Like this is worth two a okay. shield. This is about your Second Amendment rights. Okay. I want you to be able to exercise those Second Amendment rights, and we're going to replace that firearm. 
Okay, okay. So let's say, for instance, I have a, a customer I'm thinking of in North Carolina who collect, uh, collects knives and bulldogs, and uh, he wants to ensure a $200,000 knife collection mm -hmm. of really unique, one-of-a-kind pieces from our company. Mostly my stuff. Yeah. How, can he do that with you? We're not up to that limit yet. Our max limit is 75000 Okay. So as so we, if you uh, wanted to protect the first seventy five thousand, he listed out what those items were. Could he right. do that with you? Yeah, he just becomes a member, signs up for a gold. He's protected up to the seventy five thousand dollars total. And 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 since you haven't had a bunch of claims at this point, you're not sure how to handle these kooky one offs. Yeah, you know, someone like that, like I have to put myself think about put myself in their shoes. If they've got two hundred thousand dollars worth of knives, most likely they're very diligent about keeping a record of those knives, keeping pictures of those knives. Yeah. Maybe keeping purchase items of those purchase proof of purchase of those knives, so they've got very detailed records or something like that. If someone were to have broken their house or their house burns down, uh, hopefully he's got that digitally stored or he has some way of providing us with that information. Uh, we're going to work with them. To, in that scenario, it's going to take some time to replace that property, so we're going to work hand in hand with that member to make sure that he's made whole. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, and then for your typical guy who has less than 20 firearms, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they've got an M4, one or two, couple different optics they've tried out sitting up on the shelf, an EOTech sitting on that they like. Mm -hmm. They've got a 1911 and they've got a Beretta and then they've got three Glocks and they've got one little Glock they carry. Mm -hmm. That's pretty typical, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's... Um, and then maybe they got one hunting rifle and they've got a shotgun. Mm -hmm. That guy can get his whole catalog of stuff kind of carried. Um, and it, if they have it leaned up in the closet, in, uh, I mean, do they have to say, I keep it in a safe, or do they give you some details? How does it work? No, so... Um, I'm asking because guys are wondering about all this. You know, oh, yeah. Dude, gun dudes are like, I don't fucking tell anybody about nothing. They don't kiss my ass. <laughs> um, and, and really, yeah. kind of, like, that's how I am. Like, and that's why I built the program this way. I don't want to tell... Like, back to the story, I call my insurance company, and they're like, yeah, we can, we can protect $15,000 of your equipment, but we need serial numbers, proof of purchase, pictures, any other information that you can give us, because we're going to put that in our file so we make sure that and i'm like i'm not giving you that i'm not giving you my serial numbers of what i right. own not to mention sometimes i trade in and out i'm not going to call you every time and say put this on take this off so we wanted to build a all-in program that was like hey exactly what you just used i've got this stuff i want to make sure it's covered but i want to tell anyone about it you come to us you sign up that would be a perfect silver member for 39 bucks a month and would covers up to fifty thousand dollars of, of equipment firearms optics red dots magazines ammo anything along those lines he's got it leaned up in his closet or he's got it under his bed i don't it, i don't care if he's got it in the safe or not i mean obviously i would say probably keep it in the safe that's a safe place for it to be yeah i understand not everyone has the room for that but if a guy but if they're if they've um if they have a good record of their ownership and they have a police report of this stuff being stolen yes uh and uh they've been with you for two years and you sit and, and they they get you know forty six hundred dollars worth of firearms stolen mm -hmm. um they're not going to be rejected because they don't have receipts or not going to be rejected because it's not in a safe or no i had it all in the back of my pickup truck because i was taking it at my brother-in-law's house because i was going to europe for three months and right. it got stolen out of the back of my pickup truck i mean I don't think there's a lot of fraud in this community because no. this stuff's all very traceable and they're all, they all have unique numbers and, right. and it's a felony. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I think it's probably a, you know, it's got less fraud than let's say cars. Right. Right. <laughs> cars have a high fraud. Yeah, high fraud. And so I guess my question is, uh, uh, if a guy's got a collection, like for instance, if he came to me, I don't, I'm not a collector. I have no receipts. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything. Mm -hmm. I just know I've got a whole bunch of guns and I've got some of them on my FFL that kind of move in and out over time. Mm -hmm. And these are the ones that are mine. Um, would I lay them all out and take a picture, show that I own them? Or, I mean, for your own records, I'd suggest that it's not required to become a member. Um, if you don't have the, the receipts, that's fine. The is most it important dollar number is it a dollar number? Like, hey, if, your total risk is $12,000, you're a silver member. If it's yes. $30,000, you're a platinum member, something like that? Exactly. So the way it's built right now is we've got a bronze, silver, and gold. Bronze is up to the, it's a, it's more of our entry level. It's up to $10,000 of coverage. It's really for the people getting so started. So if a guy's got less than $10,000 worth of guns and optics and knives mm -hmm. kind of sitting in his safe or in his special hidden closet, yep, he could call you up and say, my total valuation is somewhere under that amount. I'd like to be that member. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Right. And they just start paying. They just start paying. They don't even have to call me. They can go to the website at 2ACL.com, pick bronze, sign up, and you're good. As soon as you sign up, we ship out your membership card, and you're covered. Okay, now, uh, and, and, and right now you're up to $75,000. You haven't jumped into the next level mm-hmm. yet. <clears throat> okay, let's go on to your very newest product. Absolutely. And is that already available? That is available as of today. Okay, so as of today? Yep. Look at this, how serendipitous. Breaking news we here. get to break it right here, folks. <laughs> so there's a couple people already in this space, and I know anybody still watching is probably thinking about liability as well. Right. So uh, if you end up ever, you know, and I hope most of you, most people have never actually pulled the trigger on a human being. Uh, for most people, it'll crack your cosmic egg a little bit. Mm. It's not normal. It is uh, almost everybody remembers the instant they fire, some, fire a firearm on somebody the first time. And uh, they remember their life up to that moment and their life since that moment. Mm. And it changes who you are as a human being when when you make the decision. Even if you don't kill somebody, it's very, for most human beings, it's very traumatic. I, I rem- I've read stories from uh, training when they were still had the draft going. Mm-hmm. The professional military is different than the draft military. Mm-hmm. The draft military, I had, I had read that something like, one or two guys out of ten would actually pull a trigger. I've read that, yeah. In in uh, self defense, and uh, and then uh, you know my experience in the Marine Corps was very different than that. I think it was nine out of nine or ten out of ten. It, I was in the infantry though, which is the knuckle dragging right. sh- <laughs> shooting crowd. Um, so it, you know, uh, even amongst soldiers, there is a very very high propensity to not being able to pull a trigger when needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess everybody who carries firearms, thinks about that, some people more seriously than others. Mm -hmm. They don't think about the financial implications of it. Absolutely. Um, If you pull the trigger on somebody uh, and you shoot somebody and it's totally legit and totally worth doing, it can still cost you. $250,000, $300,000. Two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand. Absolutely, it can cost you. And if you're a high net worth individual, it can cost you a lot more. Absolutely, I mean, a lot of people kind of tend to forget about the civil side of it. You know, they look at I'm in a stand your ground law state. I have good self defense laws in here in Arizona, right. and uh, even if you're it's a justifiable shooting, you can still be dragged through years civil litigation, civil litigation yeah. which isn't guilty without a reasonable doubt i mean it's 51 percent, right it could just be yeah you were totally in 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 the rights but um they have a realized loss of income or loss of support and here's what here's what it's right um so uh i think this liability thing is something that you know i've heard you know even having hollow points um can make you appear more liable to a court yeah um, and you know, the reason you're carrying them is so they stop in the person you shoot. Right. So they don't go through three walls and shoot an innocent person. Um, if you're Alec Baldwin, it's so you don't shoot the other director. It's you just, <laughs> you only want to accidentally shoot the first just one. Just shoot that one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's what hollow point, um, hollow points kind of stop some of that from happening. So I suppose, um, people don't, people haven't a lot of times connected the dots. I see people carrying all the time, the yep. dude in his sweatpants with a plastic holster hanging off his pocket. Oh, oh yeah. God, this, this guy has no idea. Nope. Nope. And uh, to be encumbered, if you uh, get into a firing scenario, a shooting scenario, to be encumbered for a quarter million or a hundred thousand or 400,000, sometimes it's a hundred thousand just to show up and defend yourself. Oh yeah. Easy. And, easy. And you get let off. The, maybe you do get let off the hook completely mm-hmm. or, or you're a low net worth individual and you're just not worth coming after. But the more money you have, the more you're worth coming after. Absolutely. And so as we become more affluent, more mature, more uh, financially stable as we grow older, this is something we should be thinking about more and more. Right. Um, give us an idea. Are there different levels of membership? or? Yeah. So we, we what we've done is we're the first company right now to be able to combine a liability, self-defense, legal protection with our property protection. Okay. So we've built them within the same levels. <coughs> Bronze is our, really our entry level only, firearms protection only type. Someone's just looking to protect their firearms. Our silver and gold throws you into the self-defense coverage. Both of them are unlimited self-defense. They vary a little bit. In our gold, what I've been happy to, like, very proud to be able to do is I've been able to include not just a spouse at no additional fee. So husband and wife covered in our gold membership, plus you get all the benefits of the property at the same time. What's the gold membership cost? It's $59 a month. $59 yep. a month. So for $59 a month, it covers you up to how many? Uh, 50000 in firearms? It's 50000 in firearms. Okay. You've got um, 
unlimited self-defense coverage. You've got a $2 million basically fund for your civil, any type of civil defense or mm -hmm. civil judgment payments. Right. We've got all the stuff that goes along with it between cleanup and days off of work and compensation and so forth. Now, is, what, how many states do you have that kind of set up for? We're set up to, to members can become part of two shield in 47 states. So we're staying out in New York, New Jersey and Washington. They actually have specific New York, New Jersey, and Washington D.C. or Washington, Washington State? State. Okay, New York and Jersey, New Jersey specifically have laws preventing me from protecting those type of. I can't even offer my membership. That there. is so, fucking crazy. You know, you you get what you vote for, basically. So oh. you can't legally. I cannot help you in New York or New Jersey. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But <laughs> if one of our members from <clears throat> Florida travels to New York, we're going to do the best we can to help them where they're at. Crazy. Um, yeah, exactly. So 50 state coverage, but 47 is membership. Available. You know, these nutty lefties, they are batshit crazy. They are. Yeah. They are. No, I mean, I, I think they all need a lead injection. It's a, just a simple oh. solution in my world. But, you know, I'm, I'm not in charge of the revolution. <laughs> well, as you know, we'd be very straightforward like that. I agree with you on that. You okay. Know, it's, it's, they, they, you know what? The, I was thinking about this. They really, really, it's not about, they just believe that they're better than you. They're more elite. You know, right. their protection is more important than your protection. Yeah, I, I don't even, I actually think it's a mental, I think it's a mental illness. I think it's a fear-based mental uh, illness circle that they've gotten caught in. They can't for the life of themselves understand why we say, see things the way we see them. Yeah. And we can, because most of us transitioned through a period where we were safety oriented yeah. and that we were more liberal. And as we get older, we've matured and, yep. and you know, information minus uh, experiential feedback is ignorance. It's uh, stupid. It's crazy. Information minus or, or plus experience is wisdom. Yes. So you get this college degree and you go out and you don't actually place it into the real world and judge it. You're you're just a dumbass. Yeah. You take the exact same information somebody who's self-reflective and starts to kind of juxtapose it to their experience in life, they become wise. Absolutely. Same two people, same exact information, same liberal arts degree. Mm -hmm. You can use all that information really well, but if you don't put it in its place as you gain that experience, it's, um, it's uh, I, I feel like it's a mental illness. Yeah. I can and, see that. And when I when I talk to folks who are lefties, it seems like some sort of cognitive dissonance. It's a disconnection from reality. Something's not clicking. Yeah, and they think you're stupid. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm just as educated as you. Right. I, yeah. I, speak, well, I speak a couple languages. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what you're saying. is not true. And yeah. I'm actually following the science. Yeah. You're not following the science or the information. You're just following your little bunny rabbit heart. Exactly. <laughs> Feeling-based. So, okay, if you're 16 years old, but, you know, you're 52, for yeah. God's Come sake. Come on now, yeah. So, um, so you've got, uh, they can go to the same place to two, a shield.com and check that out. Guys, I thought it would be, uh, I love supporting Arizona business. I love supporting guys that, um, have kind of reinvented themselves, mm -hmm. uh, and gals I love and trannies and, uh, lesbians, homosexuals, uh, hermaphrodites, uh, I, people who identify as zebras. If they've identified themselves and they've got a business, a hustle going that's valuable to other humans, I'm, I'm pretty down with that. I'm pretty right. cool. Um, love seeing somebody local who's uh, doing something cool like this. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, my kids ask me, like, hey, what would you do if you were doing it over again? Because yeah. they're at that age where they're trying to think about what they're going to do. I'd say, oh, I would go into, you know, some sort of um, real estate finance. They're like, what? That's... I'm like, oh, yeah, I would love to build big things. Yeah. And put big numbers together plus all my buddies who are flying around in jets they're all in real estate finance. Oh, yeah. so yeah. i definitely should have done that you know like <laughs> if somebody comes along and gives me some fu money uh, oh, yeah. next week i'm going into real estate development and finance because yeah. i that, that that is for me it would be it's a big gigantic version of what i do which is make cool stuff and bring it to market absolutely you know? well listen pleasure having you in well, uh, is there anything else you want to throw out there for anyone to know about no that's about it i really appreciate you having me in you know great podcast great plays you know thank you Cool. Is this the coolest man cave you've been yeah, in in a I'd while? Say this is probably not only the coolest man cave, but definitely the coolest facility. <laughs> cool. Yeah. We, you know, I, I'm like, I got to spend a lot of time here, so I want it to be cool. And I want when guys are sitting here, you know, podcasts can be like super boring. Yeah. It's such a long format. Guys walk in and they're like, I'm, you know, I get some heavy hitter folks walking in and they're like, 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it's all stuff either. in here. I'm like, everything's got a meaning. Ask me about anything you want, and I'll tell you the story behind yeah, it. That's nice. It's fun, and uh, it has context and creativity. And I think uh, I know that we we try to bring these things be a little entertaining, yep. and be a lot informative. And uh, and you know, people are consuming their their news. They're consuming their entertainment, and they're consuming their advertising, kind of through this format. Yeah, just taking your time talking about something. Uh, is it interesting? Is it not? Does it relate to them? And uh, I like this whole format. For oh, yeah, everything. I agree. Me too. I had Fox News in this week and, you know, they want to know about the whole company in three minutes. <laughs> and, and in fairness to them, they were they were real nice. They wanted to do it in two, three minute segments and they wanted to just they, they I had to take off my I had an FJB hat uh-huh. on. They want me to cover the F. I had like uh, getting George Washington on my shirt and said, get in, loser. We're doing some freedom shit. <laughs> they wanted me to cover up the the, sh- the ship and uh, it's written in this blood script i mean you can't even you read can't it even and then custom um, uh, uh viewers are calling in from fox news complaining to the producer and then the producers talking in his ear to have oh uh, they haven't mentioned girls so i gotta mention girls and then they haven't done this and his hat's offensive and i'm like it's oh F- what? yeah and they were changing me in, in between one episode to the second and at the end i was like let's go brandon turn this <laughs> fucking thing off and get me out of here oh my god it's gosh. this short phony yeah Fake, phony, smiling. Yeah. Okay, we're coming live now. Hey, we're back at you now with this cheese ball fucking vaudeville face. Yeah. And I just wanted to, I was like, what am I doing here? How yeah. did I, like, I got to do it. I have this fiduciary responsibility to kind of promote my company when yeah. I get a chance because I got all these people who have their, put their trust in me. Right. But I was like, I would fucking rather get punched in the face right now by anybody than fucking be standing, standing there right here, with yeah. a fake smile. Yeah. Know, get yeah. me the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's something like you check the box, Fox News, we're good. We're not going to do that again. And it's Fox News. The only reason I agreed is it was Fox News. It was yeah. ABC. I said, like, yeah. I'll interview him on a front porch. <laughs> but Fox News, I'm like, okay, I'll do Fox News. And, and then, then they, they stopped the FJB thing. I'm like, oh, you guys are in on it too. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. see how that goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got a revolution. It's starting uh, every November. Every two years, we have a revolution. And we have one year. The one-year countdown has begun. Yep. It's going to be a shit show next year. Oh, yeah. And they're all playing along like it's business as usual. And they're all trying to say Trump is irrelevant. He's anything but irrelevant. Absolutely. And all these people out there who are saying he's not relevant, there are guys making, deciding how to best use him in their local run. Yep. But he's as relevant as ever. Absolutely. Calling bullshit on the bullshit. The emperor has no clothes. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. Well, listen, absolute pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming to you guys. Go check it out, 2ashield.com. I know that my guy Jeff's going to jump on that. I'm a pretty risk-comfortable dude. Yeah. But I'll say that, and my place is going to get broken into. Firearms will be taken <laughs> next week. Um, but, uh, you know, I know people, I've had guys, I, everybody I know has had a firearm lost, stolen, taken from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, an employee snagged something. Cleaning crew has taken something. You know, all kinds of stuff goes on. Yeah. And it's cool to know there's somebody out there kind of covering that little niche a little bit. Pleasure having you here. Guys. Thank you. It's Greg Medford from, uh, well, the Greg Medford Show. Here we are, Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks for watching. Try to have a little fun, even though we're talking about insurance. Hey, we got I, one, one of my ins- One of my buddies who's an insurance guy, he said to me, he goes, you know, there wasn't insurance christopher columbus wouldn't have left the old world he says he had to have insurance to do it and i was like what he goes yeah that's true i was like no that's not true he goes yeah it's true (laughs) insurance does make so much of the world go around i try to explain it to my kids a little bit i have to kind of i have to you end up why do i have to have insurance and you have these big blown up questions because of it oh yeah uh once you're grown up and you have some stuff piled up you know why thanks for coming by you guys i'm out